Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, the finale of season nine. I'm Jack. I'm ASD. I'm Van. I'm J A Y. Brilliant. And I really wish that I'd turned the record button on about 30 seconds before because Jay gave an excellent summary of what the season's been like. Uh, but you'll get, you'll get to hear what he really thinks throughout today's show. So end of season podcast. So we're going to look back over what has been a very interesting season, to put it politely, um, and go through our best moments, our worst moments, the weirdest moments of the season. We'll decide who our player of the season is. Um, talk about our feelings names for next season um, and then we'll do a little bit about the transfer window as well and who we should be going after so let's start with best goal of the season now ASD I'll come to you first with this what what's your nomination for goal of the season well, I'm a little bit disappointed we're not talking about the game just so we can talk about Kane we didn't even talk about Kane last week either he's just we just suddenly he's just back um yeah. Kane's goal this weekend was absolutely brilliant I thought oh, that, goal, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, it that was marvellous that was because there was a time three years ago where he'd quickly knock it and shoot, like knock it with his left foot and then shoot with his right foot exactly like he did. And he hasn't done it for about a year. It, it just feels like he's back. Anyway, um, my goal of the year is Stevie Bergwijn, debut goal, Man City in a 2-0 victory. Um, what a goal that was. Because we, we we seem to be City's bogey team. And obviously Sun's goal. I'm sure we'll talk about Sun's goal. And that's already one goal of the season. But ignoring that. No. Bergvine coming in, new hope, this is the new Tottenham Hotspur, City are coming in, he's playing on his debut and it was just a lovely cushion goal, it was exactly what you'd want from a debut, it's the goal that's made me happiest, it's, we're beating City, it was a massive match and we just felt like big game player, we've signed a few players who have not done it on any stage but here he is and he's, he's landed, he hasn't really done as much since, he's put one decent cross in for Kane on his head but that that was the goal that's maybe happiest this season by a long way. Instant impact as well, wasn't it? Like there's something about a debut goal as well where you just you, you celebrated that a little bit more. Brilliant. Unbelievable. That yeah, was unbelievable. mine's the same goal. It was the pass from from Mora Mora. because yeah. it's just you weren't expecting the pass at all. No. And so I think like Sonny's goal is amazing, but like like his goal almost had a sense of inevitability about it after he sort of like beat the first couple of men you were like you know where this is going mm-hmm. whereas like more has passed I watched it again today and even I knew what was happening and I still didn't expect him to make that pass it was just mm-hmm. unbelievable pass yeah. great touch great finish yeah I, I was you know we were all there at Villa when Don Bele got his first goal and we all thought that was going to go on to something great so well yeah. his his pass for Sun's goal in the same game was Gay game yeah. was decent yeah. as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. Either needle stuff. Yeah, that, that, that's my game of the season because 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 him coming on made such a difference. Yeah, uh, and 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 was the key to unlocking them whilst they were pressing ahead and trying 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 to get a goal. But anyway, what was your goal? My goal uh, was um, uh, our second. It was actually scored by Lucas Mora, but the build up. On, on the left side um, was our second goal away at West Ham. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, when uh, the counter-attack, when Delhi fought over, isn't it? Jose's, Jose's, oh, Jose's, yeah. Um, and um, West Ham were one of two teams we did the double over. Mm. That's bad, isn't it? That's, well, that's quite surprising, to be honest, given how terrible we were for <laughs> the season. 
literally did the double over no one at what and villa was the other one i should have, i should have asked you but anyway it doesn't matter um but um that that was jose's first game in charge we were looking for uh we were looking for a bump um and we got one um and it was against the scum we enjoyed that um but De- delhi De- delhi responding to um who are you are you delhi ali or delhi ali's brother yeah. do you remember yeah. that yeah <laughs> just came out firing in a over, over those first couple of games um but the skill to keep the ball in yeah it was brilliant he completely lost his feet he was all over the shop but he just he just dinked it in with with the inside of his foot back in into sun and and that and that that was just that was poetry brilliant guy now i've i haven't got one i've got three and they're all completely different types of goals allowed uh, um what about van i'm i'm allowing it um <laughs> the first one the first one is delhi against man united at old Trafford. oh yes when he pretty much scores a carbon copy of the goal he got against palace where he flicks it over his head and then and volleys it in and that was just a ridiculous goal just yeah. complete skill you know, intuition in the moment, like you can't teach that type of goal. It was absolutely magnificent. That's, that's the first one. The Sun goal against Burnley yeah. was, that for me is one of the best goals I think I've ever seen. It was just, it's absolutely ridiculous. I know the Burnley defence got absolutely caned for it afterwards, but like they couldn't even get close enough to him to kick him. Like that was how fast he was running with the ball. It was an f- absolutely phenomenal goal. And then to have the composure to just, you know, slot in the corner as well after running the length of the field. Magnificent goal. Um, and the the last one is Serge Aurier against Olympiacos in the oh. Champions League. When oh, he's yeah. that absolute rocket of a half. Oh, volley. Which yeah. is it, the type of goal that you just would not expect Serge Aurier to score. Um, and it was brilliant. We were 2-0 down in that game after about 15 minutes and he took Dyer off after half an hour and it, we, were, we were all over the place. Yeah. Um, fought back and beat them fairly comfortably. So they, those three goals for me are the ones that stand out. All completely different goals. Um, the Delhi one, like I said, for the magic, the Sun one just because it's ridiculous. And then the cleanness of the of the Oreo volley. Yeah. What about, um, was it Old this season? The near post volley? Was that this season where he gave away a goal and then... Yeah. I smashed it. That was against. Let me find out. It was, it was an away game, wasn't it? Yeah. Like he he'd just been at fault for a goal minutes before. Yeah. And then and then scored the volley afterwards. Was it Villa? Um, was it Villa that when we won three? Oh. It, I feel like it was an away game. I've got memories of watching it on the telly. I think it was Villa, you know, and I think we went on to win that one two one. That was where Sun ran up the other end and scored. I think. Like the last minute. It was. Yeah. So- it was it was away at Villa, yeah. not um, own goal on nine, and then he scored on twenty seven. Strong yeah. work, Jay. And then a win, and then a winner from Sun in the injury in injury time. Yeah, that um, that that's got to be up there as well. Actually, thinking about it, not you know not the best goal in the world, but when you get a last minute winner, it's just yeah, you know, it's it's a great feeling, isn't it? It's it's a shame that we weren't at the stadium for the Arsenal game because the Alderweireld header would have been in it for yeah. me otherwise. Um, yeah. What can I give? Can I give two others? Please. Uh, one shouldn't really count because it's Kane's goal versus Juventus in pre-season. You know, the lob in the 93rd minute oh, yeah. for, from the halfway line because we've never seen him do that before. And um, Kane's header, was it against Newcastle from Stevie Bergwijn? Yeah. yeah. That was absolutely brilliant Like, because yeah. that had to be perfect. And there aren't many players who could have done that, I don't think. Yeah. 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 Big fan of that. 
Are we going to do a vote? Oh, there's four of us. Would, would Jack decide in vote? We, just because there's four, it, don't, it means we can still all vote, Jay. Um, <laughs> what worth is two and two? Who's that having on number? All right, go on. Go on then, Jay. Who, what, what one are you voting for? Uh, I'm going for Bergwins first. I'm going to go for Sun against Burnley. I'm with, I'm with Jay. I'm with Jay. Stevie, there we go, Stevie Bergwin, goal of the season. The, 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 only, the only thing about Sun v Burnley, I mean, it was amazing and I was there and I've never, I've, I've not seen us erupt like that as, as a collective for ages. That, that, that whole game was just a marvellous carnival. Uh, I mean, we watched most of the sec- uh, literally the last 15 minutes of the second half, we were just all on our feet and in, in, in packs of them. Um, they were, they offered nothing. I think they were just, they, they, we literally broke them, didn't we? Yeah. Um, so I think, I think, I think, I think Sun was as amazing as it was, and it won. I think it won Premier League goal of the season, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, and, and rightfully so. It's it's right. a it's a broadcasters type goal of the season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's move on and talk about um, best game then. So Stevie Bergwijn's won the best goal, best game of the season. Van, why don't you kick us off with that one? Yeah, I think. Oh, I mean, it's hard to. <laughs> We've not we've not had many great ones this season. Um, I think like actually some of the some of the ones we've seen in lockdown, um, yeah. like the, as in just seeing a plan come together. I don't know whether they were necessarily the best game to watch, but um, not the the the, the, the Leicester one. Just like you know uh, the, the plan that was clearly Mourinho's plan, and it all came together. Um, but it's hard not to pick the Spurs Arsenal one. Just because it never felt like we were going to lose that game, and you know it was the most comfortable. You know, we sort of said with the Leicester and Newcastle games, there was there was a chance that you know all it took was one goal, and and the game was shaped very differently. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Spurs Arsenal, but I'm going to throw a special mention for the Spurs Villa first game of the season when we won three one, only because I thought. We were onto something really good this season. If you could just capture how I felt after that game, you know, and, and we had that through the season. So emotion-wise, that was the one. But the Arsenal one just kind of felt all right. This is how we're going to be playing now. We're still going to be beating Arsenal. We're still going to be winning these games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll go with that one. Cool, Jay. Uh, uh, City, uh, Tottenham two, City nil. Yeah, it was just a fabulous. Fabulous day. It was an we didn't, midweek evening. It was deserved. It was we, we fully deserved it. But you know, we rode our luck and possession and they looked so around. Um and you know, every time we every time we got the ball, we, we we looked like we could do something. We defended impeccably. Um and I think if you look at the way in which we we snuffed out them, and the the, the 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 subs that we made, and Dombele came on and changed the game, and I, I fully expected him to go on and have a marvelous season from that moment. Um, and and those two absolutely cracking goals. Um, let's not forget the penalty save. Yeah. Yeah. It was a clear penalty. Um, right. and, best. Yeah, yeah. Am I misremembering this game? Is this the one where like they hit the post? Yeah, they hit the post. They battered us. <laughs> oh, they missed. They were that's an off-target shot, so they could have been better. 
<laughs> I think the um, I do I still think it was a penalty as well when Lloris took Sterling down. I know he was going nowhere and follow up to the penalty. Yeah, Gomez against. Black yeah, exactly. A few years ago, yeah. 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 it was off the line right in front of us as well. I can't remember who cleared it off the line. It was just it was just marvelous game. Yeah, and, uh, it it was almost like a repeat of. The, the, the Champions League night the season before. Yeah, definitely. It felt like it, uh, one of those it's happening again moments because it was, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a midweek evening. Um, and then and then Zinchenko getting sent off after about 70 minutes. Just, just Oh, that was brilliant. Credit to Harry oh, Winks for... Yeah, he done him, didn't he, Winks? Probably did him. Yeah. Stepped across him, took the shoulder yeah. and went down. Just, just carried it out, just carried it out, out, out of our own half, just beautifully. Um, and and Zinchenko, I, I mean, and that's what that's what City do. They 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 they'll they'll bring a player, they'll, they'll bring every player coming down, won't they? Coming out your own half, they'll bring you down. Um, but it was just marvelous. Yeah, I yeah, I, I'd agree with you to be honest. City would would be my one, and I think the only reason that I didn't pick the Arsenal one was just because we weren't there for it. Yeah, um, I'd agree with you on that. ASD, what what are you thinking? Uh, obviously, City games up there. I've got two, which one we've sort of mentioned, but the first one I'm going to give you, um, I really enjoyed the game before last, Leicester, where we just squeezed them out. That would, would have been the most infuriating game to watch as a Leicester fan. And they're, they're a team that have infuriated us for so long in so many different ways. Just 3-0 by halftime and then not letting them get anywhere near us and having like less than 30% possession. And that, that that's the feeling, right? He may not have all the players he wants. He may, may not have the fans on board, but there's a plan here somewhere. Really enjoyed that. Um, four, Tottenham 4, Olympiacos 2. 2-0 two down. Yeah. Daddy gets a goal back. And then, what was it? A Kane, Kane goal with the ball boy. Ball boy giving the ball straight to someone. And then Aurier probably in tomorrow. And then um, Aurier gets that goal. And I can't remember who gets the fourth. I think Kane got two, I think, if memory's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a Olympiacos fans um, in the South Stand as well that night. Yeah. yeah. Went 2-0 up, they were all proper giving it. Um, but little did they know in an hour's time they'd be 4-2 down, so... Yeah, it was... And there was a lot of pressure on that game. We needed to win to get through. And we we battled back. It was a proper emotional night and I think the stadium was rocking that night. So I don't think it's, it's the best game, but that was an enjoyable game. It had all the Spurs emotions, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So a, a quick vote. Van, are you go, you're going for the Arsenal one. I'll go for the Arsenal game. I'm going to go City. Jay? Yeah. City. City. Yeah. And yeah. All right. Man, Man City at home, 2-0 Spurs, game of the season. Um, worst game. Now this might take a while. Might take a while to get all through this. Go on, ASD, kick us off. I'm never seen you look so excited for a feature on the pod. Colchester nil, Tottenham nil, four three on penalties. That was one of the worst things that's ever happened. Um, Tottenham one, Norwich City one, two three on penalties. That was dreadful. Uh, there, might. Oh, and obviously the seven two was pretty horrendous. We also lost three nil to Brighton and Hove Albion. That in October, and that is the one I think that maybe, maybe sealed Pochettino. Uh, but I know he didn't leave until uh, a few games later. But that was horrendous, frankly. We were not at the races. We just weren't even. We were playing so badly. Which is because they've got a race course in Brighton, so it's interesting that. <laughs> <laughs> generally, generally in the United Kingdom, you don't have to look very far to find a race course. <laughs> so. <laughs> But um, but yeah, that that was right up there for me. Top top of the Brighton, or Brighton yeah. v Brighton. 
I would I'd agree with that to be honest. And I think those other games you've listed there were obviously really really shocking. But when the Brighton game, the, the players were they, you could tell Poch had lost them during that game, yeah. and like the players just they they, they were they weren't running. They'd completely down tools, and like yeah. I think everybody knew after that that this could actually be the end for him now. Um, yeah. That was just a real yeah. That was desperate. That was like the Spurs of the late 90s, early 2000s, just like letting an early goal in and then just completely caving in and giving up. That was real, yeah. really, really bad game, that. Is that the one where Hugo injured himself, right? He broke his arm after about 60 seconds, didn't he? When yeah, dropping, dropping the ball. See, that's the reason for me why I wouldn't pick that one as the worst is is I think that injury played such a big role in what happened after that, rightly or wrongly. And, you know, think The Sheffield United-Spurs game recently... It was bad. <laughs> most inexcusable performance I've, I've, I've seen in yeah. so, so long. It just, it should not have happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was shades of Brighton for me. Yeah. Actually, I was watching that thinking, this is like Brighton all over again. Yeah. What is going on? What is going on? I actually that, found the, the Sheffield United and the Brighton results worse than the Bayern Munich one. Yeah. Even though Bayern absolutely, because it was like, Bayern basically had seven chances and every single one of them was in the back. It was, just, it was. I've never seen clinical finishing like that before. Yeah. Whereas the other ones, it was like, I felt like as a fan, I could have been out there offering more than what the players were doing. And yeah. it's infuriating to support those kind of performances. And actually that Bayern game, I was. At, you, we, I think you were at the Bayern game as well, weren't you, Jack? You yeah. know, it, I, I, th- I thought for passages, actually quite, quite significant passages the first half, we were playing really well. I wish it had been in front of half time in that game. Like we we had so many chances. I remember Sun being clean through twice and missing both of them. Yeah. And then yeah. we somehow we were two one down, thinking, yeah. "That's all right. You know, we get we can get level. We can go on and win." And then I think on like forty nine minutes, it was four <laughs> one. Thinking, "Oh, that, that's that plan's going to Pushing forward and leaving gaps. We were just leaving gaps, and that was the most frustrating thing about it. But um, but anyway, let's do let's do a vote then. Um, Van, what are you saying for worst game? Sheffield United. United. Jay. Brighton. ASD? 7-2 against Bayern. I'm going Brighton. Sorry. I've won every single one of these, by the way. Yeah, you didn't even want us to vote, mate. Like, I don't know what you're voting. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just a natural born winner. <laughs> um, let's move on now and talk about the strangest moments of the season, because I feel like there's been quite a few of these. Van, you've, he's got his hand up, so go on, you <laughs> <this> off. <laughs> no, don't choose mine. Eric Dyer going into the crowd. Oh. Like, <laughs> like, like, just in terms of like things I never thought I would see, Eric Dyer going all the way into the crowd. And like, I think the FA had it spot on. Like, I do think, like, people have said, you know, he, he's probably been insulted. Anyone would do the same. Like, just because something is understandable doesn't make it right. And the FA were right. He went so far, he could have stopped at any point. He could have stopped on row one. He could have stopped on row two, but he didn't. And even after the bloke was walking off, he was still going after him. It was just, I've never seen, yeah. I've never seen, because when people say, like, oh, you compare it to Cantona, it's like Cantona did someone on the front row. Or right, in the end, he kicked him, so that's different. But it was someone on the front row. Dyer went all the way in. He's in row 40. He's <laughs> in row 40. And I was just like, you know, when, when someone's like, the texts were all blowing up on the WhatsApp, all blowing up on the WhatsApp group. Everyone's going like, "Guy's gone in the crowd." I'm like, "Oh, has he like gone and like had an argument with someone in the second row?" And then you see it, and he's like, "Climb." I've yeah. never seen Eric Dyer move that quick. <laughs> no. I've never seen him actually like, oh, just uh, 
so so strange. Like you know, WTF moment if ever there was one this season. It was like he was going to get a ball from one of Townsend's shots. That's how far <laughs> back he went. One of all one of Dawson's passes. Yeah. <laughs> what game was that? What game was that? That was the Norwich Cup debacle oh, oh. penalties. That was a shocker. <laughs> it was just a bad night all round that for everyone. <laughs> oh. That's a great one. Who, who else has got a, a, a strange moment? Well, I've got, I've got two. Um, but they is, all is, is, Spurs, is Spurs related, Jay, or is, is this just you in the last no, one? No. Um, Sun's sendings off. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and, and both of them shouldn't have been a sending off. And actually, one of them was a judge to not be a sending off. Um, the, when he well, when he didn't snap, what's his uh, Gomez's ankle? Gomez, Gomez, one one, yeah, yeah. And but you, you know, I mean, I think we we were in control in that game. Sun Sun goes off, Tosin pops up and scores in the in injury time, one one. Um, the other one was against Chelsea, where we weren't at the races. They were first at everything in the middle, um, and we, we they were running rings around us in the middle. Um, and Rudiger decides to play at like he did, like he did again at the weekend. He does it. He's he's becoming known for it uh, to try and get opposition players sent off. It's just rude. Has no pla- has no place in the modern game. That level. Why they call him Rudiger? Then his name, Jay. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> then his name is rude, isn't it? It's Rudiger. <laughs> To be honest, I thought that's why you made that game. And then the gall to say he, he claimed he heard racist chants. Oh, don't get me on started on that. Oh, my God. He is literally... Gomez one. Gomez one. I, I think I hate more than any other player in the, playing the league today. That number one, Rudiger. Number two, Cashman. But anyway. Really? Cashman's Michael for me. I hate him. Oh, I love that Rudiger, Rudiger's triggered you this much. <laughs> Brilliant how it worked up again. I think the Gomez, I think the Gomez one, even though afterwards, you know, they said it wasn't a red card. I can understand why at the time the referee seen that kind of injury and made a decision that someone deserves a red card. I, I can understand that, you know, like, I, like ultimately, whether it's right, like I, I, I'm of the opinion that if someone's had their ankle broken like that, someone's got to be held accountable. But you can argue the merits of that. The Rudiger one was just appalling. Yeah. Uh, it was just, you know, I, like comparing it's for me, like I get what you're saying, but it's like Gomez's ankle snapped in like in half. Rudiger, there's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with him. Just play acting. It was just, yeah. do you know what I mean? One was a referee's mistake, but an understandable one because he's seen something that then's made him make a decision. One is another player trying to get someone sent off. And I think that's the difference. Gomez wasn't play acting, if that makes sense. No. No, but but in, and in both cases, this is isn't this why we have VAR? Yeah, I really thought Jay that you were going to argue that Gomez was plagued in, and that would have been an amazing <laughs> debate. It would have been incredible. Um, I mean, it was a good what foot and a half away from Gomez. Mm. You know, Gomez went to ground. You know, and and but this is why we have VAR. Nothing frustrates me more. I think we've seen this season that VAR. Isn't worth the paper spread on. Absolute shambles of a technology. Shambles. Jay, would you would you rather be locked in a room with VAR or Rudiger? <laughs> the the trouble is he couldn't say anything to Rudiger because <laughs> he he'd claim it's I'm being racist. Um, just just going back to the Gomez um. Tackle, you can't criticise so, someone that, that's just going to assume you're being racist anyway. 
Um, the uh, the Gomez tackle um, from Sun, something always sits a bit funny with me that when a player gets an injury that bad from a foul, that it's not a red card. Do you get what I mean? It's Sun like, didn't make the tackle though. But it, Sun, it's Sun, made, Sun made the foul that then resulted in him being off. My thing is, if you look at that about two minutes before, Gomez does Sun. Yeah. Properly does him with the elbow round the cheek or like sh- sort of shoulder round the cheek. Sun was was trying to foul him. He wasn't trying to hurt him, but he was definitely trying to leave one on him. And the consequence of that was that Aurier, I think it was Aurier, mistimed the tackle, which, you know, Aurier mistimed the tackle could have been the mark of our season. But it's Sun's fault in the sense that he was the one who did. He wasn't trying to win the ball when he when he, you know, when he kicked Gomez. And and that I'm, I'm with you, Jack. It's more like I don't understand how a player can have his ankle snapped. And there can be no retribution on the other side. Then if it's not if it's not Sun, then is it Aurier who goes? But I, you know, I, I can totally understand why they said it wasn't a red card. The, the foul itself wasn't a red card offence. But I think sometimes you've got to take the consequence of the foul into it um, as well. And if Gomez hadn't have done him, you know, two minutes before, it wouldn't have happened. You know, Sun was looking for him, and 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 the guy snapped his leg. But the tackle itself was a yellow card offence at best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, too, sure. he's too nice to be sent off. He's like Gary Lineker. I bet that Sun's probably got more career red cards than Rudiger now, though, surely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely Premier League red cards, anyway. It's like when uh, Lerma did, one, did, did, did it to him last season, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, just Bournemouth, yeah. Uh, other strange moments from the season. Do you remember Loris attempting a cross turn on the penalty spot against Danny Ings and getting tackled and Southampton scoring. That was a moment where you're in the stadium and the whole crowd all at the same time just scream, no, yeah. see it coming. And it was a really, really weird goal. Um, so that's up there for me, along with um, Eric Lamella's haircut since Project Restart's happened, the Shepherd's yeah. Pilot's head. That's up there with one of the strangest things as well. Um, but there's been quite a lot of them this season. Yeah. Is Pochettino sacking and not giving Vertonghen a new contract a strange moment? They're the two that are in my head. I know it's not the, the spirit of the question. Well, I, I feel like the, the, that's got to be not only the most emotional moment of the season, but probably from the last five or ten years watching Spurs, right? I feel like everybody was quite unhappy with Pochettino at that point, but still when it broke that he was gone, like I feel like at that's that point, it. that was when you realised were you Pochettino or were you Poch out? When, when you heard that noise and it was like, no, he, he's gone. Yeah. So that for me is one of the strangest emotional experiences. I mean, football for me is only ever really emotional down on the result. Like mm. I've never really been emotional about the game other than a result. Whereas that just seemed, it just, it was really, really strange feeling when you heard that he'd gone. It was like, why do I care so much that a football manager's leaving my team? Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. That for me, is probably the best way I can sort of describe that moment. But that so, feels like, and we were just saying before we started recording, that, that that doesn't even feel like this season. That feels a long, long time ago already. Yeah. Go on, Jay, what were you going to say there? Do, do you do you think we should have kept hold of Jan Vertonghen? Yeah. I, no, do. I don't. I don't see the point. He's, what, fourth, maybe fifth choice centre-back now? What's, what's the point? Well, it um, sounds like Tanganga's going to sign. I get that point. I just, if he ends up going to City... And being a backup fifth choice, I, I don't know. I I think if we'd have been able to be in the stadium, or not me, I don't go to games, but if people have been able to be in the stadium 
and either come on or people have been able to say goodbye. Don't mm-hmm. think it would have felt as like yeah, weird fair. letting him go. Yeah. I think um, I think like in the cold light of day, you look at it and go, he's not going to play. Is he? Is he going to go and be back up at City? Probably not. You know, I think he'll go to Ajax or you know go. Oh, you know, yeah. I don't think there's any points him staying in the UK right now. But I think there is a thing around just not having had a chance. And usually there's a few players like that in the in the Premier League, right? You think about how long he's been at Spurs. Think yeah. about David Silva, Leighton Baines, just retired with no fans around to like, you know, say goodbye. I think there's a little bit of that with Yan. Like you'd love to just be there and have him walk up. You, you know full well that he'd have done a lap of honour around the stadium and that the yeah, fans yeah. Would have, or he'd have been given a speech and stuff like that. That's the kind of the 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 mold that we hold him in so to speak but yeah you know i'm just a bit miffed he got he got a really nice watch from the club did he uh yeah yeah he got presented a watch this morning or yesterday that's pretty grand wasn't it but but michelle vaughan got exactly the same watch you've got to be looking at that thinking how how the hell has vaughan got the same watch as me it's been they've been saving he's been making saves Save, save it. Never mind. Move on. <laughs> I'm very tired. There's a gag going on there. There was. I was trying to do saving money, saving, <laughs> saving, and it didn't work. Yeah. I saw an uh, amazing uh, tweet earlier when they were talking about the watches that they'd been given. That said that they all seem really happy, you know, standing there posing for the picture of the new watches. But there'll be a moment where they get an invoice from Daniel Levy for monthly payment. Back to twenty grand that he's forked out. <laughs> Oh but just on your question, Jay, about the Tongan, I don't think it's strange we're not giving him a, a new deal. I think that for me, his, his legs have completely gone. Uh, I think for most of this season, we've been carrying him, if I'm completely honest. But because he's been such a magnificent player, it's like when Ledley left. And Ledley's last season, he, he was becoming not good at all. And it's like you've got that attachment with a player that's been there for so long, so you don't want to see them go. But I think it was the right call for everyone because he knows he can leave now and it's like it's all good memories. Whereas like you would have hated to have seen him stay for another year, barely played. And then when he has played, become a liability and it just sort of tarnishes what he's done. So hopefully he goes on and does well wherever he moves on to next. I think that he can definitely still do a job for certain teams. I don't know if the Premier League for him now is is the right option. If he go go abroad, go to a league that's a bit more slow and a bit more defensive, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I understand why. And we've got a lot of centre halves now, I suppose. So if you think we're counting Dyer as a centre half, obviously yeah. you've got Toby, Tanganga's just signed, it's got Sanchez, he's got Foyfe, I know hasn't played too much. So we've got five centre halves there straight away. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All, right. all right, I'm wrong, move on. He's got the best goal celebration of any Spurs player in history. I will give you that. Yeah, that's been, Van, you have been consistent on that for like seven years. Um, yeah. On I'm, FIFA, I'm, they've they've put in. They don't have that one as like one of the random ones, but they do have the go miss really camp like roaring lion one, and I hate it. <laughs> like I properly hate it. Like whenever one of my players scores, I'm like I'm embarrassed for you, you pixel prick. You just take them off once they've done that substitution. Yeah, you're gone. Um, <laughs> and his goal against Wolves, what a goal! Yeah, that brilliant was. header, brilliant header. Oh, so he's been a great he's been a real great player and it will be strange him not being there because he's been you know centerpiece of the side for the last however many years it's been so yeah. it's going to be strange him not being uh, there they were the best defenders ever and I know there's a lot of old people who go oh the 61 team I, it's a different era different game and I, you know 
I think he could fit in that 61 team. I don't think many of them could fit into this with the fitness and the everything that's required of him. I, what a player so, he is. You're talking Jan and Toby together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Our best, stuck our in a room best with pairing him. of all time. Best partnership, definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, unquestionably. Let's talk about player of the season. Um, Van, I'll come to you first on, on this one. Who's your nomination for player of the season? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's, I don't think, you know, it's hard to look past... It's hard to look past Sun, just given the numbers. I think he's he, he's had an outstanding season in that sense. But I, I still get this really weird thing. I don't think Sun and Kane can play together. And not because neither of them are good footballers. I think it's because neither of them like playing together. Yeah. Uh, honest to God, I've never seen two players not be able to pass to each other at a normal pace. Like Neither, neither of them wants to assist. Nah. Look, I think, yeah, Sun for me. I would say if Harry Kane had been fit all season, we'd have finished top four. Yeah, definitely. Right, you know, just he's he's like to get twenty odd goals again this season in all competitions. It's just, yeah. it's just um, he's also, been absolutely unreal. He ruptured his hamstring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah. yeah. Forgetting that, it's like he was out with a bruised toe or something. Like he's ruptured his hamstring and he's yeah. come back. He needed a couple of games to get going, and now he's just scoring every week again. The guy's a machine. And he's been outstanding in the last few games. Like you know, it, like. If Tottenham are going to play the way that they're playing, having Harry Kane up front, you, it's going to work. You will get goals. Like the chance he took at the weekend was unbelievable. Yeah. But I just think in terms of like like all roundedness, um, you know, the assists as well. It's hard to look past Sonny. He just had a real purple patch. Last few games maybe not so good, but I think a real purple patch in terms of performance. And he scores some really important goals. Yeah. Well, I think that's the other thing. Yeah, Jay, Toby Alderweireld. It's a good shout. Just Mr. Consistent. Uh, unquestionably, when he plays, we are better. And he, he, the way he marshals not only not only the defence but everyone around him, mm. uh, Winksy, Sissoko, they all they all look to him. He is, and considering he was almost out. Yeah. I mean yeah. that, that that would have been the biggest travesty lo- losing Toby. Yeah. Um, it would have been barely anything as well, wouldn't it? Because of the it, contract situation. He was on his way, wasn't he? When before Pochettino left, he was on his way. I think in a post-COVID reduced budget world, he would be going now. You know, yeah. if if that was the opportunity. Um, he was gone in January. Yeah, yeah. If it it's, wasn't for for Jose, he would have been gone. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, sure. He, he was one of the first players, I think, that um, that um, Pochettino lost. Uh, he, you know, Poch- he had no time. They had no time for each other. Yeah. Uh, Dyer, Dyer hinted at that sort of mentality, didn't he? In his in his signing on um, video, where he was talking about how he likes the the new coach and the direction the team's going now. And there, there was just a few little words we go, okay, okay, that something's happened, obviously. Then it, yeah. it was. I, I completely agree with that, ASD, and it's like we always talk, don't we, about like you can massively relate that type of thing to your to the everyday person job, and yeah. in ASD talk about this all the time that after a couple of years in a job we both get quite twitchy and we're like, right, I need I need something new and fresh now. Like, what's happening? Yeah. It must be the same for a lot of footballers as well, right? And if you've got that same message, yeah. the same voice all the time, that you know, it's perfectly normal, isn't it? That it must get a little bit um, it must get a little bit tired of it. Well, I think. 
Pochettino. Pochettino's amazing skill was motivation. And I'm always worried of people who rely on motivation because it requires a lot of energy and it means that you have to be in a state where you get motivated. Like, I don't want people who need to be motivated. I want people who are there just to do it when they don't want to do it. You know, don't need input from a manager to get stuff done. And he, he that's where all the players were exhausted, was everything was play on emotion. And it was brilliant. And that's why... A lot of the what a lot of the um, fans connected because it meant so much to everyone and they were trying so hard emotionally. Whereas Jose is just plan tactics. This is we adjust the plan for every team. We are going to be consistent. We're going to play 75, 80 percent of our capabilities every single game. We're going to raise it for the big games. And that was we're going to see far less variation in our top and bottom results. I think we're just going to be far more consistent. And I'm a big fan of that. Is it that was saying stuff as well a couple of weeks ago about how we we now we now plan for the opposition more? Yeah, yeah. I think is a few people have said it. Like that was a bit of a surprise to me, to be honest. Yeah, look, I'm not. I think that last point. I, like, I agree with you, ASD, and I think you see with Man United last season they rode on the emotion of Solskjaer coming in, and you saw how far that took them. And then all of a sudden it, it went a bit downhill, and actually it turns out you need good players and a good squad. Mm. I think the piece around planning for the opposition is like for me that's when you start entering the not small club mentality, but certainly not like top of the table mentality, like. I'm not saying Liverpool and City, like Liverpool and City will plan in some way for the opposition. They will know what, um, you know, Burnley do versus, say, Brighton. There's no way Poch wasn't telling them anything about the opposition. There's no way we weren't planning for it at all. But when you start planning for the opposition style of football, it's because you know you're going to have less than 50% of the ball, right? You're willing to give the other team the ball. But ultimately... If you've got the ball more often than you don't have the ball, you're playing your style of football. And you only worry about the opposition style of football when you don't have the ball. And the best teams, even when even the teams that counterattack, you know, we talk about Liverpool counterattacking, but they never have 30% of the ball. They still have 50-60% of the ball. What they do is they give they allow you to win, or City allow you to win it back. And so I'm a little bit conscious of just the idea that now we're doing lots of planning for the opposition because as a team, if we prioritize what we do with the ball and having the ball and making use of it, what the opposition does with the ball isn't, it shouldn't be an issue. You know, ultimately you win the ball back as quickly as possible as a defensive team. Yeah. yeah. Or you, or you bow them high up the pitch as what City do. So I get it. And, and I think everything that you set up to then in terms of Pochettino's style, very exhausting, you know, based on emotion, you know, I, I totally agree with that. I'm just conscious now that we've become a team who, how the other team plays a bigger priority to our manager than how we play. Mm. I'm not sure. Time. I'm not sure. You could, let's t- you take Mayweather, right? One of the greatest defensive boxers of all time. He makes he you come out. Our team. <laughs> no, you can't read. I bet he's better than Tosoka. <laughs> <laughs> but he makes you make the mistakes. He makes you come forward. So the the he's been reactive right rather than proactive so yeah. in that situation the opposition has the ball because they're doing more with it and then if you look at Mourinho's teams you look at I know it's it's an extreme example but the Chelsea versus Barcelona where they literally gave the ball to Barcelona and just kept them in front of the box and Barcelona would just move it around yeah. and then Chelsea hit them on the counter now they were playing Chelsea's game as much as they were playing Barcelona's game but Ch- yeah. Chelsea had 30% of possession. Now, I'm, 
that that was the height of tiki taka which was where barcelona didn't really need to plan against anyone they they forced you to play their game and actually um uh who was it um ferguson it, it was one of the greatest compliments he ever gave wenger i think he said one of the only teams that we have to change our style for is Arsenal. And so that's pretty much what you're saying, Van, where we don't have to change our style for every team. We should be going to Palace, who haven't won in six games, right. and and dominating and um, forcing our style upon them, but we didn't. Um, that's, I'm just... that's exactly my point. And I think you're spot on. But I think the Barcelona thing is... I think I, I, I get your boxing analogy, but like boxing is like you're ultimately looking... It's a... It's a, it's a a fitness thing right at the end of the day whereas the Barcelona thing that's the exception for me that proves the rule is like when you're playing against but if we're playing against City you yeah. might decide that you're going to play a certain I, way I think we're saying the same thing yeah but I think against Palace it's unacceptable that you know we're giving up 60-70% of the ball because you know in very, I know possession is not all there is to a game but the teams that generally win the, the season each uh, win the league or win the cups generally have more possession than the oppositions, or they at least have 50%. They don't have 30%. And I think that's my concern with, you have to plan for the opposition when you've only got 30% of the ball. Yeah. That's, that's, is, it, is it the opposite way around, though, where we're almost so, fo- we, we almost are so focused on our style where it's, we're going to play you on the counter, basically, and just make sure you have the ball. You're going to have it for 66 to 70%. And then, so we're, we're almost the opposite of what you're saying. I'm just thinking out loud where we're going. We're, we're not thinking about the opposition enough, where we're not thinking about Palace enough, where we can go, right, we need to monitor Zaha, keep IU away from the goal, and then push a different style. Yeah, on. maybe. So yeah. it's not actually we're, we're, we're allowing them to change us too much. Actually, we're not changing enough. Yeah, 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 very true. I think as well, I think since Mourinho's come in, he's looked at our side and he's gone, what have been the fundamental issues with this team in the last 12 to 18 months? They haven't been keeping enough clean sheets. There's been too many goals going in at the wrong end. And I think he's come in and he's gone, if I can literally work solely on team shape and the defence, I've got the players going forward. I don't even need to coach them at the moment. They're good enough to score goals and cause problems on their own. So I'm going to go to the complete extreme and focus on the defence, get that sorted, and then we can start building from the back. I'd get that if we weren't giving away 15, 20 chances a game. There may not be great chances, but we are giving up chances and we are allowing the other team to attack. We're not sort of... The teams aren't passing the ball around in front of our box and sort of, you know, like ASD's example with... Barcelona and Chelsea. Barcelona could not break down that defence. Our defence is being broken down quite frequently. It, you know, it's, it's not like we're coming out of every game going, that was so comfortable, even though we didn't have the ball. Because that you can also equate to like the last 10 minutes of a game when you're 4-0 up, right? You know, you can easily give the opposition the ball and just not give them a chance. But we are giving up chances. You know, in any other game, you know, Newcastle could have got a couple of goals. Leicester could have got a couple of goals quite easily. Um, so I, I I do appreciate that I, I I totally understand that I just don't think we we don't look like this super secure defensive unit we just look like we prefer not to have the ball at the minute because we don't want to be the team just passing it around because our our main attacking threat is pace up front happy days yeah but if we had more of the ball we'd we'd be less likely to concede you know this yeah yeah even under Liverpool's 
gegenpressing is still the same principle, right? They still try and keep the ball more than the opposition, he's, or at least close to 50%. He's, he's playing to our strengths right now. And while we don't really have many midfield options that he's happy with, you know, for some reason, he's not happy with Ndombele. Um, we can all say he's not happy with Sissoko. Um, Sissoko has a role, but it's not to start every game. Um, and he wants to strengthen there. He fundamentally wants to strengthen there. And and until he, he does, this is how we'll play. Yeah. Leicester just... had uh, 43% possession over the time they won the Premier League, and which was 19th. And... Um... Which is and the average for Premier League champions up until that year was fifty eight percent. So your point is proved. Yeah, and I think Leicester again. Leicester, Leicester's. I know, again. I know, I know. No, but but it's a great point because that's often the thing that's that's you know that Jose um, the supporters will say is that you know Leicester won the league playing this style. Again, Leicester didn't decide on that style halfway through. Leicester were a team who got promoted, had league league or championship players in its team. And had to play that style of football and had an incredibly fast striker who then went on to do those things. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that if that's how you decide to play. Spurs don't have those types of players. Yeah. And we didn't have those types of players before. That's you know, that I think the strange thing for me is the team is pretty much the same as it was last season under Podge, the season before under Podge. Yeah. Why do we need such a dramatic change in the style of play? We were better then. The acknowledgement that you know Potts was tiring players out, they'd heard it all before. Happy days. I'm I'm more than comfortable with that. But I can't help but feel if we had a a, a, a more progressive manager, we'd we'd still be getting some pretty good results. But we'd be playing slightly better football. Now, for some people, the style of football doesn't matter. So but I don't. You, Van, know, Van, you, only have, you only have to look at us before lockdown, and we had more injuries in our squad than any other than any other side. Yeah. Now that 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 part of it is an aging squad. Yeah. An Asian oh, squad. Huh? An Asian squad. <laughs> Are they more injury prone? Family like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no. Look. Us at twenty. You know what? Liverpool now remind me of that 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 youthful team in Pochettino's early years. Oh, we were the same a few years ago. They just strengthened their keeper, a defender. We were the same, like exactly the same a few years ago. Yeah. That's and that, that just, a, just a few years later, they got really weird playing that brand of football yeah, and yeah. loads of injuries. Trying to press high, try, trying to force the opposition into mistakes high up, trying to forever win the ball back at, at full pelt, try, try, trying to retain and, and, and maintain possession. And, and press, and I think I think I think eventually we got caught out. Yeah, and I think Liverpool's a great example, right? What they try and do is win the ball high up the pitch, but if they don't, they'll win it back off you and start again. Yeah. Right? You know, Liverpool Liverpool invariably have more than fifty percent possession, so it's not like they're trying to win the ball high up the pitch every single time. What they do is, if we can't win it off you quickly, we'll win it off you a bit more slowly and build our attack up. You know, yeah. we'll build things up more slowly, and I think that's the thing. For Tottenham, it's like one or the other, as opposed yeah. to, you know, the ability to transition in game, you yeah. know, to play out from the back if you have to, but also to be able to at- attack quickly if you can. We don't seem to be able to do both, and the best teams can do both. Yeah. You know, the United team that dominated would hold on to the ball if they had to, but then accelerate through the gears. Yeah. Oh, I think... and... Sorry, mate. 
No, that was it. That was the I think we're a long way from being a team that could be that big team, though. And I think the we can't replicate that style from from five years ago, four years ago. So we have to um, take it back to basics, fix, fix the defence, and then fit players in in a winning formula, right? And because we know rather than trying to find a formula that fits these players, we know these players aren't going to be around. And so we know we're going to make some changes. So I think sort the system out. Although saying that, I do think I'm, my, my big worry with Mourinho is his success was being the antithesis to Tiki Taka, which people tried to copy. And and the best teams now, so I'm talking Bayern, um, City, Liverpool, are better than, are, are not, are better than Tiki Taka was. Like yeah. Tiki Taka re- relied on... Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, right? That they were the four, and they they've never been able to re- replicate that. Um, they had a, a little bit where they had Messi, Neymar, Suarez, but that was just on the strength of three, the best attack maybe the world's ever seen. And I think it's what he's doing is just getting back to basics, stockiness. Like it's better to get one point four games in a row than win one and lose three, you know? And I think that that's where we're trying to go. And I think I think we'll see a very different Tottenham in a year's time, whereas you can't say that under Pochettino, where it would probably be a very similar Tottenham team in yes. a year's time. Yeah. So what was the question, Jack? Player of the season. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think about half an hour ago said son. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Jack? we haven't... Player of the season, Jay. I said Toby. Toby, that's right. Oh, so we got onto this. Uh, Larice, he's made, and I know you're going to hate it because you hate him, but he's he's made the second most additional saves that you would expect a keeper to make. So he's he's above average. He's the most, the second most above average keeper, in, uh, apart from Allison, I think it is. Um, he saves us as many points as Kane wins. I I don't think he gets the respect because of his his. He, I don't even think he has that many brain farts anymore. I think he's, I think he's absolutely brilliant. I think he would be so expensive to replace. I don't think there's many like him. I think his, his reflexes are absolutely superb. Um, and he's the captain of our team. I think he's brilliant. I'll, I'll go for, I think I'll go for Sun, to be honest, which would make him the winner. Um, our player of the well, season. We have to have a vote. Now, it's only have- in the draw. That's two for Sun, one for Toby, one for Lawrence, yeah. But your point, your points on Hugo, um, I actually think under Jose, he's been one of our most improved players. Um, but I think that he's an example of where Jose's style massively suits him because he's not being asked to do anything other than save the ball. Like that's that's literally all we need to have a goal to be. He's not worried about plan out from the back and all of that. It's just not part of what Jose wants at the moment. And for Loris, that's been fantastic because that's always been his criticism is that he puts us under enormous pressure when he's got the ball at his feet. Yeah. He makes mistakes in big games. He hasn't done that for a while. That's that's a real improvement, which is brilliant. And I hope that continues. But for me, since Jose's come in, he's been really, really good and exactly what we need at the moment, like yeah. the captain and the goalkeeper to just be reliable. So I hope that he, if next season he has a full year of what he's done the last four or five months, uh, honestly, there's no reason why he, he won't be in the running for me to win the pod award next year. Um, I think Trippier would be brilliant. Similarly, I think that's what he's done that Pochettino didn't do, Mourinho, is he's just gone into players and just made their roles very basic. Yeah, um, and this is what Ferguson used to do. He used to have literally, he used to say one person steering the ship, and then one, uh, and then everyone else was rowing. Um, 
he had two players that were allowed to take players on. Like everyone's role was super yeah. simple. And footballers aren't bright people. There's some incredible, incredibly intelligent ones. Um, but keep their job simple and they'll perform. And then their talent will shine through. There's a brilliant story that Roy Keane tells about when he made his debut for Forest. Um, and he's like 18, 19 at this point, that Brian Clough comes into the changing room before the game, tells him he's playing and says, I've seen you in training. You can control it. You can pass it. You can run. Do that and you'll be fine. And like that, that literally they were the instructions. And I, I agree with you completely. I think that simplicity, yeah, football's a simple game, right? And most of the time, if you do the basics right, you'll be okay. And yeah. it's great to obviously have lots of tactical analysis and preparation and all of that stuff. But ultimately, it's like go out, win your individual battle, pass to somebody in the same colour shirt as you. If everyone in the team does that, you, most likely you're going to win. Yeah. 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 Right. So, there's... Hugo Lloris, well done, Hugo. <laughs> How would you rate the season overall out of 10? ASD, why don't you start with that one? A three. We embarrassed ourselves in the Champions League. I'm not complaining. We're, you know, we embarrassed ourselves in the Champions League. Two defeats to Bayern Munich, Leipzig. We're better than them. We we should have been through. Um, farcical manager change. Probably should have to be done, but the way it was handled was pretty bad. Um, going out the cups in the way we did was embarrassing. That cold, I'll, I don't know, Colchester, not many people talk about it, but that was incredibly embarrassing to me. Yeah. Like People look down on the cups, but until we can win it consistently, you'll get to the semis of of the final of these cups. We shouldn't be pushing them down. Yeah, We celebrated winning, getting into sixth, like it was a great achievement. No, it probably was for the team who came in, but they've had this since November. Um, it, and I think it's, if you look back, Versus the last five years, it's a bit of an embarrassment, um, or it, it doesn't it doesn't have that happy feeling. I see it going upwards, but it's it's not been great. So I'm scoring it quite low, to be honest. Yeah, Van, how about you? Yeah, couldn't couldn't add any more to that. You know, it's uh, we've like sixth place. It's, you know, nothing wrong with sixth place, and ultimately finishing top four is going to come harder and harder for anyone outside of the top two. And and those things change as well. We've seen that, you know, Liverpool won't be there forever. City won't be there forever. So it's not so much the sixth place that's the issue. I think just the way we've gone about it this season. I think the piece around the Cups is absolutely spot on. I've always said the Cups are luck. You can't judge your success by winning a Cup. But you should be finished. You should be getting to the semis and the quarterfinals. And the complacency of the squads that we've named in those games and gone out is is unacceptable. Um, you know, there, I think next season we'll be fighting for top four again because yeah. I think City, I think uh, Chelsea and Leicester and United is much of a muchness, to be honest. I think we don't need too much work on our squad. I'm nervous with Chelsea's aggression in the transfer market. They seem to have started quite well. But yeah. I yeah. Think Lampard's such a weird one, isn't he? Because he... Can't organise a defence for his life. He's got a really ex- the world's most expensive keeper who's dropped now. I'm I'm a bit worried. Like I think he'll be top heavy. Uh, so I think it'll be a really interesting season. But you're right. Liverpool, Chelsea, City, Arsenal are going to be nowhere to be seen. I don't think. No, no. Where they belong. <laughs> Jay, what are you, what are you giving, Jay, what are you giving the season overall? Uh, Pre-COVID three. Post COVID six, yeah, it's fair enough. Yeah, no, no, no team benefited from COVID as well as we did. Yeah, yeah. to your point about the injuries, even just getting everyone back, 
Like, we yeah, had six or seven players out, didn't we? We would really have struggled to have been anywhere near six if the season carried on because we just wouldn't have we wouldn't have came wouldn't have came back really at all, would we? No. And even him being out is just it's a disaster for us. So, I, I, to be honest, I think I agree really with what with what you've all said there about the season. It's been a it's been a poor one, but bizarrely, I I feel quite optimistic going into next season now. Yeah, yeah. Because it it all seems to be starting to come together. Um. So whilst it's been poor, three out of ten seasons, as we've said. I am optimistic going into it. Um, I just hope that we continue to see the team Im- improve um, when next season does start. You know what's mad, though? This is five seasons later and we're still saying, you just said, um, you know, without Kane, like we wouldn't have, or whatever you said, we wouldn't have got back. Five seasons later, six seasons later, we've still got that as a problem. You know, we it just shows you like the lack of um, investment, both investment, but also just, you know, planning for, for Spurs at the moment. Yeah. No other club seems to be, no other big club or top club seems to be as reliant on an individual as Spurs are. And that's a I, I, I'm not sure I, I completely agree. I mean, we, we, we've managed, we've managed to tread water and get results without Kane. But when, I agree, we, but... when we then lose Kane and Son, we're screwed. No, no, I and look, I agree in terms of like treading water and that, but no one seems to be impacted by losing an individual in the way that we are. Yeah. Leicester would, he's man, isn't he? Like he's yeah. the he's the man. And Leicester would be if they lost Vardy, but I don't want to be considered in the Leicesters. You know, you think about City, you lose Aguero, there's someone there. You know, Liverpool have survived without an individual. You know, whereas for for Spurs, like Jay, I think you're absolutely right. Losing some, like there's very few teams that could lose both of their best players and perform very well. Yeah. But for Spurs, the level seems to drop so massively. Yeah, it does. You know, where we do get to the point of treading water, whereas other clubs just it doesn't seem to be the case. And if you want to be competing for the title, you need more than just one or two talisman. You need more than one or two players who are irreplaceable, so to speak. You know, yeah, that's that's the you know we've got to fix that this summer 100% and the argument that I never ever get from fellow Spurs fans is that no one's going to want to come and play you know second fiddle to Kane they won't play as much Kane gets injured every single season he guaranteed 15 games he guaranteed that but you know you made the point Van there about City it's like why, why have all these other top sides all got like a brilliant second striker like do you know what I mean it's like yeah Jesus at City is incredible but it's like just because he knows he's not necessarily going to start every single week doesn't mean he wants to leave. Like I mean, there are plenty of strikers out there. there that, that's because they've been, he's been paid a quarter of a million pounds a week, which is more than any of our players will be. But that, that's it's true. that simple. But but an alternative would be we sign a really good striker and play them both. The idea that only one of them, you know, we've only decided that one of our strikers is going to play. Now City, yeah, fine, you might make City. You can definitely make that argument. Liverpool have got Salah, Firmino, and Mane, so they play all three of them. If we had a striker of Kane's calibre or there or thereabouts, you play them both. Yeah. I'd love it, you know, and, and and I think that's the, you know, so you are right. City is 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 a comparison, you know, you know, Jesus Jesus is well overpaid and probably wouldn't be a top striker at another club, but yeah, you, know, you Spurs could definitely go and get. You, yeah, yeah. The fact that we don't have two, we've only we don't got have any, do we? Or Troy Parrott. Yeah, yeah. Our second striker is Troy Parrott. And so that's the, so, you know, to not have even a second striker, even if your second striker was a Danny Ings quality, we don't even have that. And and for me, that's unacceptable. 
Danny uh, Danny Ings would be amazing. Yeah, he would be. Or, or just Danny Ings, not a Danny Ings. Danny yeah. Ings. <laughs> Specifically, the one that plays for Southampton, not just some random bloke who's also called Danny Ings. If you are Danny Ings and you're listening, we're sorry if we've got your hopes up, but we're not. <laughs> we're um, for Callum Wilson. Yeah, I've, I've read that. Yeah. Apparently, he's got a, a really low release clause, isn't he? Because they've gone down. Yeah. But I mean, if if it, they were saying that it's about ten million quid, I mean, if if that's true, that I know he's got a bit of a dodgy knee, but for me, that is an absolute no-brainer. Like yeah. that's a guy that knows the Premier League. He knows where the back of the net is. He can play multiple positions up front as well. He can yeah. lead the line, but you can play him wide. He's got that pace and that power that Jose clearly likes in his attackers at the moment. So that that would be an, a, a no-brainer. But my only worry with that is that I imagine that there'll be quite a few sides that will go in for him and the finances will play a factor in it. But I think he'd be great. I mean, Josh King is another one at Bournemouth. Like, again, I think he's a good Josh King over Callum Wilson. You think? Yeah. There's just there's just more power to them. I think either of them would be, you know, that th- they would be good additions for us. Yeah. And where else do we need to strengthen? Do you think? If you, what are the key areas you think that for next season, if we centre don't go and get someone there, we're going to be massively struggling? What, what, centre midfield, what? centre midfield, centre midfield. I swear to God, if Sissoko plays for Spurs again, I'm going to lose my mind. Like it's unacceptable. And if anyone who watched him against Crystal Palace, if anyone tries to tell me he's a good footballer, yeah, I just it baffles me. Like I, I, I get it, we went for it with Don Belly and it didn't work out. But if we go into next season with a midfield of Harry Winks, Lo Celso and Sissoko, yeah. like we've got absolutely no chance. We've got no chance. Agreed completely. And I like Lo Celso. I don't think Winks has stepped on as much as he could have, but there's still clearly a very good player there. And there's a good but, squad player in Winks. Yeah. I think he's, he's one that, that I def- I'll, I'll, I'd find it strange if we got rid of him unless it was an absolutely absurd fee. But yeah. for me, he's a good squad player for us to have. He offers something a little bit different in that holding midfield role. But centre midfield is just such a must, isn't it? Like you, you just you can see this it's the same struggles every single week. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a position we've got to go and get. Who we get? That's the, you know that's another question, but centre midfield definitely. <clears throat> excuse me, and I, I still think fullbacks as well is an area where we've we've got to go and strengthen. It's like Ben Davis has done very very well I think this season, but I think you need somebody else there. I think it would be great if we could have Davis and then a slightly more attacking left back. That would be brilliant. And then you've got oh, the Brian Sessegnon. would be amazing, wouldn't he? Is it? I, I, I don't know. I'm only I'm, I'm being facetious. Yeah. <laughs> My problem with Sessegnon is that, I mean, he hasn't played all season, has he? And it's like, you see so many of these young players get the move and then they're not quite good enough to, to play and then they miss so much football. It's like, for me, it, he strikes me as somebody that he just needs to, next season, go to a mid-table Premier League, play 30 games, like just get out there and get some game time and then we'll be able to figure out what to do with him. I think he's been managed pretty poorly by yeah. Pop and by Jose, to be honest, and it's a massive shame we haven't seen enough of him. But left-back definitely is an area, and, and right-back as well, I think, is a major problem area. We've still got Carl Walker-Peters, um, so I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I imagine that Southampton will want to buy him because he's been pretty good since he's gone in there. Um, but even if we kept hold of Walker-Peters, I still think that there needs to be a massive upgrade on Aurier, um, just purely because the opposition's tactics pretty much every week are get it down the left side because Aurea's playing right back and, and yep. you chances. He's brilliant going forward and I'm I'm sure somebody probably has is going to throw some stats about how many chances created in assists and it's like he is good in attack. He, re- he really is. 
but it is not so good in attack that I can put up with how bad he is defensively, if that makes yeah. sense. Well, Mourinho won't want that. Mourinho, the first job will be stop. Yeah. Like yeah. he was on the wrong side of Zaha so many times. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but I mean, the opposite of goal side. Like yeah. the, the stuff you would learn as bare basics when you're a when you're a child. It really frustrates me. Yeah. But your point there, Van, where you said Carl Walker, that was exactly the type of guy. He was so good going forward that you knew, okay, he's going to make a mistake every now and then, but he'll 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 create more goals and chances yeah. for us than he will concede them. Whereas I don't think Aurier. That's not enough for me. So. And he was, he, was, he was smart enough going back. We, you know, we'd always say his pace would save him so many times, but he knew that. And yeah. he knew there was only so far he could go up the pitch against certain opposition. Mm. Aurea doesn't seem to have a brain. It's just, you know, you know or football brain, sorry. You know, against opposition where he might just need to not go forward as much. He just seems to ignore it. Now, don't get me wrong. I've said it before. Ultimately, we don't know what he's been told by the manager before he's gone out on the pitch. I can't help but feel Jose Mourinho has said to him, when it comes to Zaha, stay tight. Don't let him get goal side of you. You know, <laughs> you know it feels like he would have been told that. But yeah, I think uh, right back is a bigger priority for me than left back because I think Ben Davies, the, the thing is, I also don't think you're going to find many upgrades on Ben Davies in terms of you know, solid, we've said it before, seven out of 10 for every game. It would be nice to be able to go forward a lot better from fullback. But if that's not Jose's game, what difference does it make? You know, having a left back who's going to bomb forward and not play that way. I like the Everton left back, Luca Digna. I think he's quite a good player. And, he, he, you know, he's quite an attack-minded left back. I think he'd be good. But again, it's money, isn't it? It's like, if they're going to say we want 50 million for him, it's like, well, you know, it's just it's not worth it. Well, we don't have a backup now at all. Rose has gone and Vertonghen was our left-footed centre-back who played there. So we actually do need someone there. I guess Sessignon is what you're saying. I think we'll see Tanganga at full-back a lot next season. Oh, yeah. I love that. Um, I yeah. think he, he, I mean, he, he can play first and foremost, so he's comfortable on the ball, but he's such a brilliant athlete as well that it's like, he just looks like a defender. Like you could just yeah. play anywhere across the back four in any role you want and he'll be able to do it. Yeah. So I, from Tanganga's point of view, his versatility next season will be brilliant for himself because I think he'll get a lot of games. Yeah. And also for us, because we know, you know, what a great option to have, especially let's say you're up against, you know, a really physical team like Newcastle and they're pumping long balls to Carroll. And it's like, right, well, we can just yeah. swap Tanganga left back today, like we used to do with Vertonghen. Yeah, um, I think that'll be a really, really good option. Um, but for me, it's, it's centre midfield, it's yeah. an attacker and it's right back. And I think if we went and bought three players... Good players, and I'm not talking like young, up and coming, like good established players. I think all of a sudden we've got half decent side again. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I just don't want any more attacking midfielders, even though we haven't replaced Ericsson. But we've got Bergvine, Sanch. Yeah. I'll take Grealish, and then F playing for Tottenham. <laughs> and um, never leaving. It's it's sad that he's never leaving. Really, I think Grealish 100% gone. He's kept him up. There's no way he's going to stay at Villa. He'll go to Man you know, United. I don't know where he's going to play, but he'll play. He'll go to Man United. Yeah, he has aspirations as well to get in the England squad for next summer. And it's yeah. like, bear in mind, he hasn't he hasn't got an England cap and he's played all season at Villa. So it's like that must be in the back of his mind. Like he'll want to play for England and he'll be thinking, can I do this at Villa? I I, I don't know if he can. I think he would be absolutely brilliant in the top side. But like for me. He should be like the type of player that Liverpool should go and get because yeah. that's the 
don't. I think that's the only thing that Liverpool don't have is that playmaker who yeah. can be unlock a defence. I think if he went there, they would look an absolutely phenomenal side. It'd be amazing for us, but that's absolute fantasy land. I think that we'd get him. Yeah, I say a crazy one. Coutinho. No one wants him. Literally, no one I wants mean, him. Um, I guess on pure ability, hundred percent, like sign him. And what an incredible addition he'd be. But finances, our style of play, it, I don't know. I think it's also it's also if if someone said, you know, we can sign two players this summer. Yeah. How, you know, this is how much money we've got. I don't think Coutinho would add as much as a centre midfielder or a yeah. right back to our. You know, definitely an upgrade on who we've got. I'm not saying that at all, but. We, the upgrade we require in centre midfield is, like, even if we only have one side, it, it, like go and spend 80 million to go and get a player that plays there, whatever we have to do. So yeah. who's your so, dream centre midfielder that you, who are you thinking about? Because Henderson, who just won the PFA Players of the Year, right? that's, that's not who we need, is it? Um, I would take any midfielder if if we're talking finance everything's out of the question, we could have any midfielder we want from the Premier League I'd take Fabinho from Liverpool and I think that would be a complete transformation. He's defensively minded and he snuffs out and intercepts so many through balls. He, he does what Michael Carrick used to do for us and he just shields the back four. He is such a brilliant player. And for me, that's the kind of guy we need. But he's somebody yeah. that can play. And I know we're being linked loads with the um, with Hoiberg from Southampton, aren't we? Who's not a bad player, but for me, that's like a real short term. We'll he's just get him for 18 player. months and, and, and fill a gap like that. That's not the type of guy that I necessarily want to see us signing. I think if he's we not, could go out and get somebody in, in that Fabinho kind of mould, yeah. physical presence, yeah. wants yeah. to defend but can pass forward. I, I genuinely think, I agree with what you said there, Van. If we just got that, I think we would be 15 points better off next yeah. season. I think, uh, for me, I completely agree. It's a fit Kante. A Kante, that's what I was about to say. It, it sounds like they want to sell him. Yeah, but, you know, and, and, and I think Chelsea aren't as interested in him now um, because he is injured a lot and he's getting old. Um, but I would take a fit Kante. I think it's kind of play as well, wouldn't it? Again, and it's like yeah. Chelsea Chelsea are all about being on the ball all the time now and it's like that's probably not necessarily Kante's strengths. Like Kante needs to be not in a team where you're sitting behind it all day but where he's got a licence to go and press and it's like yeah. under Lampard, even really under Sarri, it, it, he's not been that player. He's been asked mm. to do roles that don't really suit him. And, you know, I'm, I'm in Cantona Spurs midfield. Uh, it would be absolutely sensational, especially the way we're playing now. Will yeah. it happen? I, I, I doubt it. But, I mean, yeah. that would be incredible. I think in, the, in, I think in the realms of, like, a transfer that I think might be possible, because uh, Fabinho, yeah, I'd take Fabinho, but yeah. Yeah, probably not going to happen. I think someone like a Naby Keita, who I do think could, could leave Liverpool, Someone like that could do an absolute job for us. Um, I he's, make it he's not, is he? What's that? Is he leaving? Cheetah? I just don't think he's he's been given enough game time there. I think if the right offer came in, they'd sell him. I think, you know, that's yeah. more more realistic than, than Fabinho, I guess. Maybe, again, I might be overthinking it. Um, I'd take Declan Rice. I like, I've seen Declan Rice play live a couple mm. of times now, and I think he is absolutely outstanding and wasted in that team. I don't think he'd come to Spurs because he's a yeah. Chelsea fan playing for West Ham, so it's probably <laughs> unlikely. Um, but I think they're two players that I would, you know, I think they could have a massive difference to Spurs' midfield um, that I think are available. 
it's all the same type of player, isn't it, that we mentioned, though, that, that, that guy that wants to sit in front of the back for start the attacks and defend. It's like, I don't think we're really asking for too much, are we? But it's just, it's just the massive hole in the side that we haven't got. Yeah. And I've yeah. said before, you don't need, I think I said it last time I was on, you don't need like a classic ball winner, you know, because actually if you've got enough of the ball or if you're Spurs and you don't have a huge amount of the ball, actually yeah, it doesn't matter. Your centre midfielder doesn't need to be. That's why Kante, I'd love him and he would suit us, but it's like, the end of the day, if we didn't have a player running around not winning the ball, it's not a problem. What we need there is someone who can start attacks mm. by intercepting the ball as often as they can, but then doing something with it very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't, you know, with Winks, I don't think it, the, the play is fast enough. And I don't think he's strong enough to win most midfield battles. I think Ndombele, if we had Ndombele, Winks and Lacelso as a centre midfield, I think actually it's really, really good. But it just seems like Ndombele's done. So I think that... Do you get, that, do you get rid of him, Dan, Ndombele? If, an offer come, if we got offered Van, what we paid for him? Yeah, So yeah, there's no point having him on the books not being played. But there's a player there. There's definitely a player there. And I'm not saying it's all Jose's fault. You know, absolutely not. I mean, he seems to be a walking injury. But it's not going to work out. And you just cut your losses, I think, yeah. in, in this instance. Which I, is a shame. I think he'll come good. You always make the Sissoko comparison, Jay, didn't you? So Sissoko yeah. took him two years, but then he had he had the season of his life. Yeah, yeah, he's he'll definitely come good. There's there's too much raw talent there for it not to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's purely psychological, isn't it? So hopefully Mourinho can get that out of him. But yeah. I think strengthening those areas, I think next season there's no reason why we can't get ourselves right back in that top four. And I mean, I, I don't even necessarily mean just like challenging for it. I mean like just get ourselves into third and, and be a solid side in there again um i think getting in the europa league and i know joseph's got a bit of stick for his celebrations on the touchline but i think that that will be a really good thing for us as well yeah um, i'd much rather we said this before i'd much rather be in it than not be in it so i think that there is a lot to be positive looking ahead into next season i think a few good signings and the, the feel good factor will be there again definitely as we as we go into next season so lots to be looking forward to i think and yeah, i sure. can't believe that we're at the end of another another season and we're doing another end of season pod it's like it's absolutely flown although it's been the longest season known to man it's yeah. gone so quick again and it's just it's been brilliant every single week knowing on a monday night whatever the result whatever's going on that we're all gonna get to go get together be it virtually and and talk about what's going on at spurs it's just it's so much fun doing it what are you gonna do to uh fill the time for the well, for the month that we've got off now, we've only got a month. It's normally two months, isn't it? Well, you, well you're going to drink. We know that. <laughs> I'm going to. Um, I'm. I'm going to get. I'm about to have my France and Italy trip cancelled. I think. Oh really? You've had the rough few weeks. Carnicked. Yeah, carnicked. Yeah. Have they stolen from you? Yeah, but I think I think coronavirus is about to steal that. Steal, steal your summer holiday. If you're not already away, go away now. Yeah. You can stay away. <laughs> words of wisdom <laughs> but look it has been brilliant again another great season doing the pod to, speaking about Spurs every week so gents it is always a pleasure and, and thank you again for joining and thank you to everybody at home that's listened as well and we hope that you've enjoyed the podcast this year as much as you have even if the stuff on the pitch hasn't been quite as good but we would love to know what your feedback is what do you love about the pod what do you hate about it um, and then we will take all that on board and, and improve it for you next season. But thank you again, everyone. Um, and remember, whatever does happen, future's bright, future's lily white.
Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realized until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.